This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen. And today, you guys, on Diversified Game, I'm bringing you financial game. This young lady has taken herself out of an $85,000, believe it was student loan debt. She's on YouTube. We're going to address her by her name on YouTube, on her blogs, Millennial in Debt. She's also a school teacher and she's written an ebook. So Millennial in Debt, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I am doing well. I'm happy to be a part of the show. Thank you for having me. Had to have you on. You know what? I just have to let people that we bring on financial experts in various ways, but to find that you are a school teacher that does YouTube that, you know, I I saw videos where you were teaching high school and I'm like, she looks like she might've just got out of high school like a few years ago. (laughs) So that's not easy to do because I've I've had that job for a few months and you know when you when black don't crack it's some <laughs> can be a challenge because the kids might think you're on their level um but talk about how you got started with your you know doing YouTube and having the courage to do that Sure um I got onto YouTube in 2013 so almost 7 years this May Um, And my best friend and myself, we had just like chopped off all of our hair. And we were like, okay, let's, you know, document this hair process. Let's talk to people about hair. And we did that for a few years and it was cool, but I've never been one that like really cares too much about like hair and makeup. So it was a a reach for me to consistently do a lot of uh, uploading and putting content on YouTube. And then so I took a break for a while and just really was focusing on how to pay off my student loans and how to live an actual real successful adult life and move out of my parents' house. And then so I went back to my best friend. I said, you know, I think I want to start documenting what I'm doing outside of the hair and, and beauty community, what I'm actually doing to to improve my life and to, you know, do it on a day-to-day basis. And I just felt more passionate about it and I would be able to create more consistent content and be able to be more authentic and real and upfront with people because it was just something that I, I felt like I needed to talk about it because it was just so, it was always so hush-hush. Everyone's very hush-hush about money. Like, oh, we can't talk about this. It's taboo. And I'm like, ah, I think I want to talk about it. Um, and so I dived into talking about it in 2017. And it all kind of like took off from there. I, people were actually interested and had questions and wanted to talk about things that I thought people never really spoke about in public. So that, that really was how Millennial In Debt was born. And, you know, people don't, Rich people or wealthy people don't want to talk about money because it's tacky and poor people don't want to talk about money because they don't have any. You know, how did you grow up? Was it, you know, money, a conversation that your parents spoke about at the dinner table and let you know how much, you know, they had or how much you had in your savings? Um, It was never like a direct conversation at the dinner table, but there were a lot of things that my parents did 
um, or didn't do, that really helped me to start understanding money in my own way and understanding it as a full grown adult. Um, and I think the moment when we started really having the really big financial conversations was when I went away to college. So I'm the oldest in my family, the oldest of my siblings, and I was the first to go to college. Um, we all went to private school growing up. So my parents obviously <laughs> footed that bill for elementary and high school. And then the conversation shifted when we were go when I was going to college because my parents made too much essentially to get a large amount of financial aid, and that's when the student loans kind of kicked in, or those were my only options. Um, and my parents would say, you know, <laughs> they apologize for making this amount of money, um, but they weren't able to actually help me pay for my schooling. So it's it's a weird middle point. A lot of the middle class. Um, society in America, they make too much to actually get help, but they don't make enough to actually pay the cost of higher education. So that's when the conversations really started to happen. And my father, especially, said, well, what are you going to do after you graduate? Because you're, these bills are very real on this side of the adult world. So it's, it's all fun and games while you're in college, but what are you going to do after? So one of the first things I did was I decided no longer to dorm. You know, I was like, okay, well, that'll help cut a lot of the costs. And then I started paying my loans while I was in school or paying the interest because I was just like, okay, well, my dad said these bills are very real on this side, so I need to start kind of talking about it now before I graduate. Isn't it funny when you step into that financial aid office and find out, I, I got laughed out of um, Grambling State's financial aid office and I had no clue what my parents made. Not a clue. I just know we had right. nice houses and always had nice cars. And when they said they laugh, I mean, they literally laughed me out of the office. And I had to call my home and say, it, which they, were, they were going through like a divorce at the time. And so it was kind of a weird call. But to say, you guys make X amount of money. There's no way I should even be standing in line with the rest of these folks because we always felt special and privileged growing up in life. Now, you said you and your siblings went to private school. And this is a debate that, you know, with school changing and, you know, technology changing, what is school in the future? Did you see and do you recommend you know, parents listening, especially young parents, that they save into these um, college funds that will allow their um, you know, preschooler to go to the private preschool and did it make a difference? And did you see it make a difference, not just in your life, but your siblings' life and your friends' lives? That's a, such a fantastically loaded question. Um, I've been teaching in public school for the last 10 years, so I've had the experience of attending private school all my life and then teaching in private school, in public school for such a long time that I think it, I, I fully believe that parents should invest in their children's education, but I don't know if I stand behind, oh, you need to go to a private pre-K in order for you to have the best opportunity in the future, because a lot of the times when I'll be having conversations with my colleagues or with um, my former uh, peers when I was in college, a lot of them went to really great public schools, and a lot of my colleagues went to really great colleges that were city schools, and they came out with far less debt or zero debt after they graduated, and we're both making the same amount of money now in the same career. So I don't think attending private school necessarily will give you the best leg or the best opportunity. I do think it provides some opportunities, but it's not really the only route to achieve or reach success as an adult. Um, and I do teach in a very, very, very 
<laughs> very good public high school. Um, and I think that if we do a little research, we can find the really good public schools. But I do feel like as a child, you should have some sort of savings account or some sort of savings for going towards higher education. So a 529 is what I talk to um, a lot of my followers on YouTube and Instagram. When they ask about, you know, what should they be preparing their children for, I always mention a 529 because it's, it's a part of like this tax deferred program in the government. So that money is making money and it's a lot easier than giving stocks or bonds, which have become a lot difficult, a lot more difficult to give to children in 2020. But opening a 529, I can gift your child's money and that money will go towards their higher education. So I'm fully on board with that type of program and not so much on board with uh, going to August a $20,000 pre-K. I don't know if that makes a much of a big difference. Okay, and, and someone will say, well, Kellen, you know, maybe not pre-K, but, you know, high school is becoming more and more dangerous when we watch on the news. I'm able to put, you know, uh, the 14000 a year into the, uh, you know, 529 and, and it saves me money. Okay, great. We, we appreciate that. You know, I think you can contribute like up to almost like 400000 in that thing um, total, mm -hmm. but... Correct. But the, the 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 fact that does a high school and this is a question I always had because I saw friends who went to school it was you know ten thousand plus a month and we went to the public school I'm an I was an awful student in high school and just a great athlete mm -hmm. um, or good athlete I should say but I, I Pop said he ain't paying for that education he said we don't we don't pay for C's and D's oh, you know I'm Theo Huxtable so for someone who was a good <laughs> student do you think that you know in private school, you guys got to do a lot of experiences that public schools just could not do. They didn't have the staffing and the time. Well, it, I do feel that it depends on the private school. And I loved my private school education. I loved the schools I went to. But I think a good student will be a good student anywhere, and a bad student will be a bad student anywhere. And there are a lot of experiences that are both in public and private schools. So it's, you're not hiding your kids away from the teenage experience. It's going to happen regardless of what school they go to. Um, there have been plenty of crazy things that have happened in my high school that also happened in public school. So I, I, I kind of agree with your dad. I don't know if you need to pay for private education. It's, if you can, great, but I don't think it's going to change the outcome of what your child can produce or what your child can do um, or overcome. I do know there are great disparities between the funding that a private school will get and the funding that a public school will get, but that's also just based off location. Like I said, my public school gets funded very well because it seems to be in an affluent uh, neighborhood, whereas if you go a few blocks over, another public high school won't be getting the same funding. So I, I don't think it has anything to do with private versus public. I just think it's how we're funding our schools overall in general. Okay, and, and I know on one of your YouTube videos, you talk about, you know, teaching in the inner city and how, you know, the students there were a delight. And while watching that video, I was, you know, you almost kind of expect to hear, uh-oh, here comes the inner city. And I, I've taught in the inner city, and I can't say the same thing of where at the place that I taught. Um, it almost, it really pulled the Oconda out of me. I'm from Oakland. So it was really, you know, <laughs> testing on my nerves because it was a gang ridden um, middle school and, and high school. But talk about the differences and the funding of what you see in the inner city and what you see in the suburbs. And for anyone who wants to be a teacher, you know, 
these will be signs to say, okay, I need to teach here because as you know, some people go to the inner city thinking they're doing charity work and their mother Teresa. Yeah. And that's the last person we need there in the inner city. So talk about the differences you, you see. Yeah. So uh, when I worked in the inner city school in Brooklyn, I, I was in charge of pretty much helping fund prom and char in charge of funding graduation and all these things that my students deserved. I felt that they deserved to have a, a regular high school experience, but they really simply could not afford it. And that's not something that is ever funded by the city or by the state. Those are things that if you go to an affluent school, tons of parent teacher um, conference people will come in and pay, oh yeah, I can give $5,000, I can give $10,000. That's not happening in the inner city. And I think a lot of times we focus on, oh, their test scores and, oh, we need to make sure that they're passing and they can do all these things. And yes, that's 100% important, but they're not being given the resources to help do those things in a realistic manner. So I wore 70 million hats in this high school and I felt drained almost every day, but I really enjoyed my experience with the students and I felt that I had to do these things because I didn't want them to leave high school and just have a diploma and just have all these horrible memories and things that they, they weren't able to achieve simply because they didn't have money. Whereas opposed to where I'm in a, a more affluent high school and money isn't even a conversation. Yes, they do like slight fundraising to do certain things that they want to do that they might be low on money for, but we just had a $100,000 production of a Broadway show in our school. So money is not even a conversation. And, I, and my first year at that school, I felt extremely guilty because I felt like I left behind the students who really need me because I can teach anyone to read. I'm an English teacher. I could teach you to read. I could teach you to write. But that's, you're coming out of high school with a different experience, and it's because of how much money you, your parents make or what school, what location or neighborhood you're able to go to. So I find that a lot of the students that go to the inner city, they're given this bad rap, but they're not given the opportunity to really do much more. It's kind of like we've turned our back on the experience that they deserve, and we just talk about all the negative things that, they, that they're shown to be doing. It's like, uh, well, what else can they do? What other opportunity have we given them? So I really fought very hard to give those students every, every experience that I feel that they deserved, and now it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to see that one school in one borough is getting 20 times more and in another school, I was actually having to copy books on a copy machine because we didn't have money to buy books for every student. So it's a gross, a gross uh, uh, comparison to make in the same, the same city. And those schools are like 30 minutes apart. But you can see which, which type of students or which areas we're focusing on uplifting and which students we've turned our backs on. And, and as a, a parent, folks would say, you know, oh, no, things, you know, if you're on the good side of things, you know, um, we want to find a good school, but all schools are equal. And we know that's like, you know, BS. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when you say money at, is in a conversation at this school, and, and I really push this for, you know, teachers and mental health. I, I've worked in mental health as well. And when money's not a conversation, are teachers getting paid a livable wage? Because that is a big issue uh, all across our, our country. So are, are teachers high, better paid, you know, at your school that you're at now versus being in the inner city school? Oh, that's, thank you for asking that question. And that's, that's the conversation that a lot of people do not have or they're confused about. And I can only speak from New York's perspective. I don't really know 
how it's set up in the other states in our country. But in New York, if you work for a public school in general, so any school for the Department of Education, all teachers are paid the same rate based off of the amount of years they've been teaching and the amount of education they have. So a teacher working in an inner city school for five years is going to be paid the same as a teacher working in a more affluent school for five years. That's, that's one of the benefits of, of working for the public school. However, we do have charter schools in New York as well. And charter schools are not considered private schools because the parents don't have to pay for their students to attend. However, it's kind of like a private sector of the Department of Ed. So teachers can be paid far better if they're in, let's say, a nicer area versus if uh, teachers are in a, um, a less affluent area. And they also have a lot of merit pay. So for example, if this teacher gets 20 students to pass, they'll pay based off of that versus if this teacher gets 100 students to pass, they'll pay off of that. So I work for the Department of Ed, so no matter where I go in the public sector, I'll be paid the same no matter what the school, you know, if, whether it's a specialized school, it doesn't matter. Um, and I, I'm very anti-charter school for many reasons as a teacher and as a future parent at some point, I, I just find that it's, it's kind of separating schools even more because if you're in a charter school in a really good area, you're going to have all this funding, all this money. Teachers are getting paid more. They're working harder. They're doing, it seems like they're working harder. And then you'll have a charter school in a poor neighborhood in, let's say, uh, Harlem or Brooklyn or Bronx, and the kids aren't able to read and you're like shutting down these charter schools. So I'm anti-charter school, but I, I do appreciate the fact that the Department of Ed will pay teachers the same no matter where they're teaching. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was that was going to be a, a question. You know, what do you think about the charter school? So you answered that so I can jump into what about homeschooling? Uh, be, and, and I say that because since my fourth grader was in at least first grade, they've had all these online programs, the Moby Maxes, the Raz Kids, all these programs that could supplement a homeschool education do you and we see more and more you know students doing that i mean i remember folks i was used to be jealous you get to stay at home and learn <laughs> but you know where do you see homeschooling and these other alternatives uh going are they going to keep growing and soon you know automation teachers are going to say wait I don't have a job, so let me go find a, a home or some type of, you know, group co-op learning. Like, where are we going with education? Well, I do think that these programs, these automated programs and these online programs will continue to increase. And that is when we see the increase of students who have a lot of social anxiety or who have, um, they, they don't do well in a, a major social environment because high school is, is definitely a huge social environment and you have to be social at all points, whether it's in the lunchroom, whether it's in the hallway, whether it's in the classroom, everything, a group activity or discussion based or things like that. So it can be overwhelming and stimulating for some students and as that population increases, we will see more students being homeschooled or doing online classes in order to achieve their diplomas. And it's, it's even growing in the college aspect as well. There are tons of online programs popping up, even with, with universities like NYU or Columbia are offering online programs instead of actually having to come into the building and, and do like the traditional form of education. Um, I, I've never been a huge supporter. I mean, I understand why homeschooling is necessary and important, especially if students, we, I've had students that have been sick and can't actually physically make it to the school. But I do think that 
we we still need to keep the social aspect alive and and i i'm always fearful of too much automated things and too many automated things it's, it's just it takes away the human experience i like being around people i like being around students i like teaching the traditional you know i speak you speak we have a conversation we talk about things we think about things together in the room we listen to ideas and it, it can be very hard and lonely sometimes doing it in the homeschool route so i do see it growing um, I, I don't I don't think I'm fearful for my job just yet, but I, I do think that it will be something more teachers are interested in, especially if teachers have social anxiety as well. So it, it could be something that they seek to do teaching just via computer and do it like Skype or FaceTime or whatever works for them. So I, I do think it will continue to grow. Well, I, I, currently I live in Seattle, Washington, and I can tell you um, what you're saying you know about the communication is the total opposite on this side folks hate to see Ooh. me talk <laughs> and they'd rather talk to their dog <laughs> no lie um they rather talk oh, to wow. their <laughs> so i love to hear that um and 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 can't wait to kind of get out of here and relocate uh to florida <laughs> where people like to talk but on your channel yeah millennial in debt and people are going to say he keeps calling her millennial in debt that's because you have to go to her website which is in the description box to find out her real name i'm not going to tell you where it's <laughs> but you will have to search so uh but on your your page you know you talk about you know the tech and even you know other ways to get paid which is something that i love because you here you have a teacher embracing the technology and also just being real and saying she connects with her students even on social media, which you know you're putting your <laughs> head on the chopping block when you yeah. do that. Thank God that your YouTube is um, at you know a place where it's healthy and it's only going to grow. But oh, talk about yeah, I, I mean because you're adding value, but that the courage to put your head on the chopping block. I mean any of these videos. You say a curse word, somebody could say, hey, she's cursing over there. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and because you've been, you know, struck with the beauty stick, people can say, hey, <laughs> I don't like what she's wearing and my child is, you know, aroused or something. You know, you are really, I mean, talk, get into that. Like, I know I had asked you earlier, but are you ever like, I can't put this out, I could lose my job or a student may use this against me. Does that ever come into your head? Yes, every day. <laughs> I, I'm very thankful that I have a really uh, genuinely uh, great staff that I work with. My bosses, I've made them aware, you know, because I, what I didn't want to happen was to try to keep this a secret. It's, it's a very hard secret to keep. It's because the internet's just wide open for everyone to see. Um, so I didn't want to keep it a secret. And then like a parent finds it or my boss finds it or a student finds it. So I've been very honest and open with my staff and my students in my building about, you know, what I do. And I always try to make sure that I definitely don't curse. You know, sometimes the curse will, will slip, but I try to make sure I don't curse. I always try to make sure what I'm wearing is appropriate, like not too much like cleavage or anything happening. Um, but it's definitely a thought I think about all the time. But and my students, uh, pretty much all of them have, have found it. And what I like about this is that they'll come to me in the beginning of class or after class and they'll, they'll be thankful, you know, because they've never learned things about money like this. And I have a 
class of seniors and they're preparing to go to college and they just are like, they all just want to talk about money all the time now. And it's so exciting and it's amazing because you'll often hear people in college, I wish I had learned this in high school or I wish someone had talked to me about it or wish someone had told me about it or given me other options of things I could take. So when they find it and they, they bring questions to me, it's exciting and I'm, I'm happy to be able to help them in, in this type of way where like, yes, I'm talking about tech and I'm doing it on the computer and YouTube, but we also get to have that conversation in person. Um, so it's really like a best of both worlds. And I'm very thankful because I know that's not everyone, you know, some people have to hide from their job and I'm, I'm happy that I don't have to, but I, I make sure that I'm on my P's and Q's and always like doing things the right way and just making sure I'm not like being crazy on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and with the, you know, the, we're talking tech. I mean, you talk about, there's a video on there folks where she's talking about, you know, the four investing apps and wouldn't it be a blessing that, if you get a teacher that can teach you about tech, because so many teachers, young and, and old, I think run away from telling their students what they've learned just because it's not in the curriculum. You, and, yeah. and so, so with you know, the, in, the investing and, and the money-making apps, have you ever had a student say, well, you're showing me how to make money. I don't really need a college education because you're showing me on your page how to you know, get six figures. Yes. So there have been some, some smart Alex who've done that as well. But then I, I talk to them, I tell them, look, there's so many different routes to achieve a bunch of different things, but you always want to have a backup plan. And I tell them, I'm like, although, yes, I'm making a, a decent amount of money on the side with my YouTube and Instagram and all these things, I live off of the salary that I'm making because of these two degrees I have here. So I tell them, like, there's always opportunities to make more money. There's always different routes, but you always want to have a safety net and a safety plan because life comes at you fast. And I tell them about it all the time, adulting, you know, even when during my moving process, when I moved out, I'm like, the amount of money you think you're going to spend, you want to, you want to multiply that by three because life happens. And I like just with my bathroom, I fixed my bathroom. I was, I was estimated to be $5,000 and I ended up paying 11,000. So they, they know that they need a safety plan and it doesn't always have to be a college degree, but you want to make sure that you're not closing yourself off just because you know how to do things one way. You should always want to know how to do things four or five different ways. So I'm always very honest and open with them. And I think they respect that and they, they really like that. And I'll let you know if in May we have senioritis, if they're still on board. Um, but for right now, they're, they're pretty open to the idea and still working very hard. And another thing to let them know is for, you know, we, we, we manage influencers. And when YouTube goes through its dip, which every at least two years, you know, they have some change in algorithm, ad populace. Mm -hmm. You can't base all your money on one platform Correct. <laughs> anywhere. So, you know, because of course the students probably look at you with your consistent material and say, wow, she's rich and she's traveling the world and she, you know, <laughs> she's here because kids don't know. They don't, they have no. I know. Um, right. You, you know, so so do you ever get like how many? Well, let me not do you ever get. I already know how many folks do you get that say, I want to mentor, I want you to mentor me like in a school year, you know, and they want to, you know, be underneath you. Like, how do you make that boundary and fight them off and say, No, show me what you did, right? <laughs> right, Miss Zen. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> Very often. Um, and I never say no, but I do tell them that they have to, I, so when I talk about mentors and mentees, I'm like, they usually just find each other and it's usually based off what they're doing and how they connect. And so I'm like, I can't just be your mentor and I can't just take you on the right wing if you haven't really showed me how we connect because I can't just create this life for you. I can't just create these ideas in your head. You have to bring forth something that shows that we have a connection and I can help you build that because a, ment a mentor is really supposed to help guide you and I can't create the journey for you. So that's, that's always very Zen. I know, but I, I tell them I'm not here to create their journeys or create their lives. I'm here to help point them in the right direction, but they have to have some sort of direction that they're already going into. Um, and it's the same thing because I get student teachers. So teachers who are still in college or like training to be, um, a teacher and it's the same thing. So they'll come to me like, oh, you've been teaching for this amount of time. I want to do it exactly like you. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like you don't want to do it exactly like me. I'm like, I can show you some things that I've done, but you want to become who you are as a teacher. And I, I can help guide always, but you don't, you don't ever want to be just like someone else. You want to kind of take the best parts of them and make it your own and, and become who you are really. Oh. And I mean, you would have hated to have me as a student. I say, okay, you can't mentor, you can't mentor me, but coach me, coach. You know, there's, there's a difference. And then we break down definitions. Um, so you're very direct and, and upfront with both students and, you know, the student teachers or, or even teachers. How do you deal with the jealousy of the other teachers? Because you have to be one of the favorite teachers doing what you're doing, being so direct. I am. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to toot my own horn. I get so like weird about that. Um, I'm. I'm genuinely very quiet. I. I'm more of a listener. I like to like watch people. I know that sounds a little creepy, but um, I. I really just. I focus more of the attention on what is interesting to them and how I can help them or be beneficial to them. Because I read this book, how to, how to make friends and win or and influence people by um, Dale Carnegie. And it's, it's something that stuck with me a really long time that in order to have the best interactions with people, you have to pretty much show them your value in their life, like what you can do for them or how you can make their lives better. Um, so whenever there's like awkward, like people make snide remarks, I just, I take it all in chin because I, on the chin because I know they're not really trying to be like nasty. And at the end of the day, they're not really even in my real life. That's, that's something I always like re remind myself. Like when I go home, we don't talk, we don't email each other, we don't text or FaceTime. So we just have to kind of navigate each other for these six hours and if you hate me, I will still say good morning. If you love me, I will still say good morning. Because I, I, I try to just be really positive. I'm very quiet at work. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to stir any pots. Um, and thankfully, no one's been like outwardly too, too aggressive. Um, so I haven't had to deal with too many crazy, crazy interactions at work. Oh no, that's that's a that's a blessing. That's a blessing. Um, and you always have haters when you're doing something great. So yeah. <laughs> Now, I want to, I look at your website and I see, you know, what you're doing and I see everything. And I even see, you know, you, you have episodes of things you've done in the past, like on, on Bitcoin. One thing I don't see, and I know that it's coming. And when I say I know what's coming, you guys know out there, Helen has a gift. But when is the curriculum going to come out? Be, that people can pay for whether you're teaching English or financial or you know if it's about hair since you specialize in your own hair 
the curriculum that they have to pay for, just like, you know, a, oh man, anybody who has a curriculum, Seth Goldwyn or who, who, whoever, Grant Cardone, they all have a curriculum right. or, you know, some type of outings that you can go out with the millennial in debt on a retreat. When do you think that's coming? Well, you are like psychic. Um, my business partner and myself, we're working to get that out during the late spring. So probably end of May, early June. Um, and the reason it's taken this long is people like will DM us and ask, you know, do you do consultations? Do you do coaching? And I, I always want to make sure I'm doing things right, especially with money. I don't want to take anyone's money and not give them the experience that they're actually paying for. So I don't want to rush it and just put together anything that they can Google. I actually want to be authentic and helpful um, and offer my full time when we do start offering like consultations and coaching. Um, so that's what we're working on now. We want to make sure the website is right. Like it's a great experience. I don't want it to be lagging. I don't want any issues with like PayPal. I just want to make sure everything is essentially perfect um, before we launch. So you can look for that towards the end of the spring, which I'm so nervous, but I hope, I hope people really like it. And I hope it's helpful. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be, it'll be awesome. I mean, the, the teaching is something, you know, you really have to be called for to keep doing, keep doing. But also, I mean, with what you're doing online, are you a member of Toastmasters? I am not. Okay, we don't like to just give the game. We like to get it, get the game. We like to give it as well. But I can see, I can see for you going to Toastmasters, it will be so beneficial for your speaking career because of, of what you're doing. And we just had a guest on who went from a magician to saying, you know what? I make so much more money as a public speaker. I don't really even do magic that more. And, <laughs> and you know, he, it was like a quarter million dollar plus, you know, speaking career because he could do magic, but because he found a niche to talk about, it just was like, I'd rather get my 15000 a show uh, to speak, then, you know, then do magic. And I can still do magic anytime, but there's other things that interest me. So I could really see like right. Toastmasters, because from Toastmasters, you will then go to the NSA, which is all about the money. And while teaching, <laughs> you'll be on the, 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 the likes on stages like Dr. Stephen Perry, who I love Dr. Perry. Um, he's been a contributor on another show of a client of ours. And I love his story because he still does bus duty and, <laughs> you know, and you're like, hold on, you're on CNN, dude, you got multiple schools. You didn't have to do that, but he loves what he does. Right. Have you ever, you know, I, I, you're in New York. I know him and Puffy opened up a school a year or two ago. Have you ever wanted to, you know, work with him or a school like that? Because I know there's other schools like that in New York. Um, yeah, so last year I was, it's, it's hard because I, I guess we're all creatures of habit. And I, like I said, I've been teaching for 10 years and I love just being in the classroom with the kids and working, whether it's inner city or wherever it is. I just, I enjoy the Department of Education, like the opportunities I'm given through the Department of Education. But last year I was looking, 
um, into different outlets or aspects of education and curriculum development and different policies. And I was looking into um, more progressive schools or different types or styles of schooling that are different from the Department of Ed. Um, and at the end of the year, I decided to, you know, give it one more go in the regular traditional schooling. But it is something that I am very open to and interested in just learning more about because I I want to just, I want to be a teacher forever, but I do also want to increase my presence in my brand. So it's, it's a hard balance and a hard mix to kind of juggle. Um, but I could totally see myself being on a CNN and then going the next day to teach my regular five classes in school. So that is a life that I would, I would love. Um, and I'm definitely going to look into to, uh, Toastmasters, Susan. Yes, to, to, don't worry. I'm yes. going to send you all this information. Um, oh, you'll, thank you. You'll have it. Yeah, the well, and 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 talk, let's get into this because I mentioned Dr. Perry and his school in New York. Um, I've heard great things. I've heard things where people like you know I couldn't get in, so they were mad, or I got in, but there mm. the rules were too stringent. Um, you've been teaching for ten years. Some folks want to just teach, like you said. Have they tried to push you into those other roles and say, hey, would you become vice principal? Would you become principal? And if so. What made you stay teaching? Yes, so I've been offered many um, opportunities into administration programs. I could be assistant principal or principal or school building leader. Um, and it's always been a difficult decision because it's like, oh, well, yeah, this is pretty cool and you're, you're helping to make more policy and obviously you'll be making more money. But I always chose the classroom because that's where I feel like I make the most impact. I've had over 3,000 students and it's just like, as a principal, like, yeah, those are your students and it's your school and it's cool, but you don't really get to touch the lives of these individual students on a daily basis for 10 months because you're working on school policy or most of the time the principal is not even in the building. They're at all these other meetings and all these budget things and that's, that just wasn't my calling. That wasn't why I signed up to be a teacher, I wanted to actually teach and interact with students. And I have been given some great opportunities as a teacher in my school. I am the curriculum developer for the English department. So I get to, you know, decide on what books are reading, what activities we're doing, what text, what literature uh, are we relating back to current, current time, current development, politics, all that. So that's, that's exciting for me. Like that brings me such joy, like, oh, wow, I'm not just, you know, interacting with my students. I'm, I'm creating a curriculum for students in all grade levels. So. I just feel like I have more impact in the classroom and that's, that's where I want, <laughs> I want my impact to stay. Okay. And, and, and I'm, I'm saying that from previous, my own experiences that, you know, they, once they find somebody good and that can interact with kids is let's push you in the office. You're way better than mm -hmm. me because I'm running to the office because there's more money. Um, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Hey, I miss the kids. Let me, you know, structure five different programs then work with y'all because it's more money. So it's really a calling, folks. You got to know your calling. Um, yeah. My Instagram says Kellen Cash. Cash <laughs> is the end result, whether, you know, that's in the money or in the people, in the cachet, as some of y'all say. But with, with that being said, what would be like your overall dream? You know, you always want to teach, but in education, mm -hmm. Well, if they could say, hey, you can do whatever you want, what would be like your your dream to set up? Um, I actually would really love to restructure the curriculum for the entire Department of Education. So all, 
all like 1200 schools in our five boroughs, that actually would be my dream because I find that a lot of our curriculums are archaic and are extremely focused on the canon and classical literature. And that's just not the world we live in anymore. Um, and so I, I was given the opportunity to teach advanced placement English this year. And I, they handed me the curriculum that the college board created. And I'm just like, ah, no, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not teaching it like this. I'm not teaching it this way. It's like my students will get the same experience and learn the same important lessons, but they're, we're not reading 17th century literature that has nothing to do with them or who they are now or the world we live in. So I would just love to be given the opportunity, like a full year to just rewrite the entire curriculum and, you know, go in and help do professional development and lead um, teacher trainings on how to teach this curriculum the right way in our, in our world now. You know, when you said that, it reminded me of something Joe Rogan said, um, you know, how the founding fathers would be shocked that we have not rewritten the Constitution and that they wrote the Constitution with feathers and we surely don't <laughs> use feathers anymore. <laughs> so Exactly, exactly. Oh my God, that's the same thing with the curriculum. Like, when was this written? Why are we reading this book where there's 30 other more relevant books that are that could take its place? Yeah, because that's the way we've always done it is the answer you'll get. And, you know, I hope, really pray that you get to do that because the curriculum is, I mean, that's why I was a terrible student. Everything was boring, especially black child in predominantly white and Asian schools. Mm -hmm. All you hear about your mm -hmm. people, slavery, slavery. You guys were right. great slaves. And then, you know, Martin Luther King said something and, and that's it. But thank God for <laughs> exactly. who made you read everything um, when you got home. <clears throat> but you talk about that in your videos, how, you know, you'll, you'll get with the curriculum, but you'll also tell folks about, you know, the Rwanda crisis or what's going on. Oh, now. yes. Um, do you, have you gotten pushback for that? Um, so the first time I actually got pushback was last year. So I, I pled with my administration and I won, so that was awesome, um, to teach the hate you give because it's relevant, the kids like it, the movie came out, I think it's beautifully written and it hits a lot of the talking points that we can get with any of the older books about, you know, um, racism and police brutality and things like that. I was like, well, let's do a fresher, newer book. So we're teaching the book and we're, we're working with it and I did a privilege walk and we we're talking about white privilege and I teach in a predominantly white school. Um, and one of the students apparently was really uncomfortable, although we, he didn't mention anything in class. He did the activity. He went home and, you know, spoke to his parents about it. And his mother wrote this giant email and CC'd my pr uh, principal on it. And just was, you know, saying that this is inappropriate and doesn't, she doesn't see how it fits into the curriculum. And I didn't even need to respond. My principal's accepted and, you know, spoke exactly to where it fit into the curriculum and why it was an important conversation. And I was so thankful about that. But that was the first time I'd experienced anyone say, you know, questioning anything I've been teaching and thinking that I was trying to do harm to their kids by talking about relevant, important information. Um, so that kind of startled me a bit. And so when I started teaching AP literature, I was really fearful that the same thing was going to happen because I didn't want to teach, you know, Hamlet. I wanted to teach and I wanted to teach Black Boy and I wanted to teach Native Son and I wanted to teach all these things because I thought they were important. But I was I was definitely afraid, like, oh, I don't want any more 
parent email thing like I'm just a radical liberal destroying the world or anything but <laughs> thankfully that hasn't happened this year um so we're good doing well and I'll be teaching the hate you give next month so check in with me and see how it goes wow wow and and you're gonna get hate if you're doing anything great you're gonna get hate you know, um, even on your YouTube, um, I, I'll say this for, just so it's it's public. And you, if it if it ever comes, you won't feel weird. But for all of our influencers on YouTube, every single one of them have gotten death threats. Some of them get them daily. Some of them have the um, FBI yeah. involved. You know, these are things that our white influencers are like, really? That happens? <laughs> you know. Um, yes. <laughs> And you're like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, security is always like a must for any influencer going out at a, at a certain level. Of course, we're talking about people who, you know, they have such a following sometimes that it just makes sense. But right. uh, yeah, just yeah, keep keep that in mind that you're going to get the hate when you're doing something great, because I could see you, you know, talking with your local Senate, talking with your local governor, um, them saying, Hey, you want a position um, sitting here on the board of this, that, and the third run for election. I know that sounds far fetched, but they <laughs> need faces and attitudes like yours because you can't be so radical where you can't pivot. And you right. can't be so passive where you don't have a new idea because there has to be that balance. And you seem to have that great balance. So thank you. Oh, thank you. So I would like to know what is your community give back that you are doing or that you want to do? I mean, like if teaching isn't enough of a give back, but you know, you, <laughs> is there something else that, you know, you like, I'd love to be able to do this for the community or that you do? Yeah, so what we, my partner and myself, what we do is we random months, whenever we're like, oh, we made a lot of money this month. So we usually will pay off uh, 10 to 15 people's student loans for the month that from our followers, our followers are like, the most amazing people they're just their stories are so beautiful so random months so the last time we did that was in september we paid off 10 people student loans for the month so just so they would have some extra money to do pay something else or do whatever they want with it um and what we're actually trying to work on now is a scholarship for high school seniors who are preparing to go to college um because we thought we feel like that's the next area we want to start kind of not mentoring, but really helping to prepare students going into college so that they come out of college with a different experience than we had and not riddled with thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of student loans um, just to help them prepare better and just to help them navigate being in college, especially if they're the first person, like first gen. I was a first gen. My business partner is also a first gen. We we're the first people to to go to college and fill out a FAFSA and do all these things. So we really want to provide the opportunity of students like us um, to have a better, a better experience in college. Wow. Paying. I know now how you're going to have, uh, over a hundred thousand followers that is going to, the word must get out about that. You are paying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll make sure that, you know, we get the link of how people can, how people can sign up for that. Amazing, paying people's loans. Everybody, <laughs> follow, share with the friend. 
Um, yeah, follow joint. It's such a family. And like, honestly, like I said, we'll look at our, our income for the month. And we're like, oh, okay. We can cover whatever bills we have to pay for the brand. And we have all this extra. Let's just, you know, because I, I can't even imagine how amazing I'd feel if someone was like, hey, I'll cover your loans for this month. Like, you know, even if it's just a small amount, like, wow, like, thank you. Because student loans suck. Um, so, yeah, we, that's just it's a little way to give back. And, and we love doing it all the time for our followers. Well, Millennial in Debt has given the game. You guys go follow the YouTube. All our info will be in the description box. I thank you for coming on and being a wonderful guest. I can't wait to hear the follow-up when you say, hey, I love this Toastmaster group. I'm even, you know, the president or the VP, and it doesn't take long to do things like that. But thank you for being a guest, and I hope to um, hear great progress. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is so awesome. Thank you. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and AL. The number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.